Welcome to Disciple Making Over Lunch, a podcast discussing the ideas and practices of making disciples of Jesus. We believe the best conversations happen over food. So grab your lunch and join us as we discuss how to have, and help others have, a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Disciple Making Over Lunch. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 102 of Disciple Making Over Lunch. I'm Brian, I'm with my friends Danish and PJ. We're three pastors in New York State uh, with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, uh, Northeastern District. Uh, We're part of a disciple making team. And our goal on this podcast is to simply give us an opportunity to talk about what the Bible commands us to do, and that's make disciples. Uh, Some of the best conversations happen over lunch. And so for the next 30 minutes, we hope that you'll be engaged. We hope that you have a delicious lunch, that you'll enjoy our topic today. Speaking of which, guys, it looks like you're actually enjoying lunch today on the podcast. What do you guys got? I have a brownie. It's really good. Brownie. So you've you've skipped all of the other food groups and went right to dessert. That's the only food group, right? Pizza and brownies. <laughs> I had a bagel with cream cheese. Uh, it's it's more of a snack than a lunch. My my actual lunch is a taco later on. Perfect. Well, this will get you through the podcast uh, to be yeah. certain. Um, today we're going to be talking about um, what Christian maturity actually looks like. Um, sometimes, uh, one of the challenges that I have in buying anything for my family is that something I think will look good on someone, uh, comes home or, uh, maybe my wife thinks I'm going to buy this. I think it'll look good on me and comes home is like, Oh, that doesn't look good at all. Or vice versa. You think, Oh, that's not going to look good at all. You buy it and you put it on actually that really looks good. Like at Christmas, you know, you get that sweater that grandma bought you. And you think, I will never wear this shirt in public ever. And then you put it on. It's actually got a nice cut. It's got a nice fit. And it, people, hey, that doesn't look bad. And so it's surprising. And I think sometimes we get confused in the same way about what Christian maturity looks like as well. So um, maybe, PJ, you can kind of kick us off. You know, what, it, what do you define Christian maturity as looking at? When you, when you look at it, uh, what do you expect to see? Well, I think ultimately uh, Christian maturity is to be conformed into the image of Christ. So someone who is mature in Christ is going to sound an awful lot like Christ and is going to act an awful lot like Christ. The more and more that you are around them, the more you hear what Christ would have said or you see what Christ would have done. In my life in ministry, I really like to use assessment tools. And there's a couple assessment tools I really like to use. Uh, one's from James Engel. It's uh, it's his evangelism scale. It, it shows steps of people's journey in their walk with Christ, both before they've accepted Christ in their life and then after they've accepted Christ in their life. And to me, that kind of becomes, uh, it's used like as an indication as to where someone is in their walk with Christ. There is no exact... Uh, you know, step by step by step by step kind of a thing. It's just kind of broad categories. But it helps me as a discipler to know where somebody is when I want to come alongside of them to help them take steps more conformed in Christ's image to, to kind of identify where they are and, and have an idea of what the next couple steps are going to be. 
but I, you know, I, I kind of gave up a long time ago trying to tell people what being mature in Christ looks like, the kinds of things you're going to think and the kinds of things you're going to say and where you're going to watch on TV and what you're going to listen to on the radio and you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it just becomes this judgmental system where we, we just say, if you're going to be part of the body of Christ, you must think this way and act this way and do these things. And then I just become this, uh, just like referee, Christian referee. And I just, I don't want to do that anymore. So I just kind of let the, the Holy Spirit be the one that does those things and uh, really focus on helping people be able to hear the voice of God speaking in their life and then take the steps necessary to be obedient to that calling. Okay. So it sounds like you've got some great tools and we'll link those uh, in the podcast show notes um, for people to grab a resource on. You mentioned that you knew of one resource and that you had a couple. Uh, was there a second one that's been helpful as you... Uh, we talked about last episode that you like to connect with people one-on-one, -on -one, get to know them, uh, get to know how they're thinking, why they're thinking. And then you relate that to this scale. Is that what you do? Yeah. Um, I actually adapted some materials from Dan Spader, Growing a Healthy Church. Okay. Where he kind of mapped it out similar to what um, James Engel did, except he went from an M1 to an M7. M1's a, a mature one, baby Christian, and an M7 is a mature seven you know on a scale one to seven and i i kind of created a like a, a quiz so people can check off the boxes these are things i've experienced these are things that i've done these are the things i've done in church and really help them where they are kind of in their journey and what it does is it helps people even if they've been walking with christ for 30 years they see that there is more to their journey with christ there's no time that you really are, are done in that journey and again, it's not to say you must do these kinds of things, but it just becomes a guideline to help people be able to see where they are and what their next steps might be. Cool. How about you, Danish? What is in your experience uh, in ministry and, and in your relationships, what does Christian maturity look like to you? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this uh, in preparation for the show and in my head anyway, and I, you guys bounce back on this. Um, is that you know this is this is my how I toss it about is that uh, in some ways maturity has a, a number of different facets. There's intellectual maturity, right? So there's there's doctrinal content. There's the content of the faith uh, that is part of Christian maturity. And I think a lot of times when we're talking about making disciples, we focus in on this area and say <clears throat> that disciple making is teaching folks new things. <clears throat> and so you know if you look at a church that focuses in on intellectual maturity, their approach to disciple making is going to primarily be classes, right? So okay. different types. Um, intellectual maturity includes the ability to cope with new challenges, incorporate them into your Christian worldview, and also to defend the faith. When you come to uh, questions of apologetics, right? Hard questions about the faith. Intellectual maturity means that you're able to deal with, <clears throat> some of those things as they come along, or at least, and one of the things I've learned in that category is to be able to say, look, I don't know the answer to that. Actually. Give me a, give me a few days. I'll, I'll that's my I'll favorite answer it. actually. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a great answer. So there's intellectual maturity. There's, there's spiritual maturity. That's what I would define as sort of intimacy with God. Um, the ability to love God and to know that you are loved by him, the ability to, to be with him and to spend time with him, in prayer, um, that's a, a mark of, of spiritual maturity. And a church that's 
sort of designed around building disciples who are spiritually mature is going to focus most of their discipleship efforts on things like, I don't know, prayer meetings and, uh, and, and teaching people how to pray and, uh, mm-hmm. t- and helping people with sort of the, the spiritual skills that help you to grow in Christ. So spiritual maturity, <laughs> intimacy with God. Um, third category out of four uh, that I came up with is relational maturity. This is the ability to, to work through conflicts with one another with grace. Um, the ability to look at one another and say, oh, I see that you're different from me and I don't need to make you into me. <clears throat> right? right? Relational maturity. The ability to let other people be other people mm-hmm. and not feel also compelled to change yourself in order to, to fit uh, the mold that other people are in. So uh, there's intellectual maturity, spiritual maturity, relational maturity. And I guess the last one I, I, I have on this list is emotional maturity. And that's uh, the ability to, to, to grow from um, setbacks, from griefs, from loss, the ability to grow from, grow through anxiety, uh, that those things don't, uh, they do rock your world, right? But they don't, um, derail your train. Uh, you're, you're able to, to, to incorporate the lessons, the gifts that God gives through times of suffering and grief and loss. You're able to incorporate those uh, into your spiritual growth. Okay. So I, when I thought about what does a mature disciple look like, I thought about intellectual maturity, spiritual maturity, relational maturity, and emotional maturity. And out of those four, uh, let me start with you. Out of those four, do you see that they tend to come in waves? Obviously, people have their own individual. This is the challenge where I need to be working on. Uh, this is the one that's most at the forefront of my life. I need to grow in this part of my maturity. Do you see that as a whole in the church in America or even just in New York State? Uh, or even just churches in the Christian Missionary Alliance in the Northeastern District, or even just in your church, in your opinion, yeah, to be really narrow, um, what would you say is the greatest area that God is calling his church to grow in? And you can define his church as to whatever geographical region I just named. But what's the one thing that we need, that churches should be paying most attention to, in your opinion? We'll start with you, Danish. Yeah, I, I think that when you talk about a person's growth and maturity, that most Christians sort of start out growing in and hungry in intellectual maturity. I think I feel like, um, you know, when, when a person comes to Christ, oftentimes they are extremely hungry to know more about Christ, know more about the Bible, to know more of. of and so there's, there's a knowledge component that grows. And that is the sort of the first thing that sets fire in a person's life. Um, I think the other maturities tend to grow later. Um, Those things tend to to sort of be Jesus monkeys with those things uh, after you have sort of a a certain amount of content. As far as what the need is in the church today, I'll, I'll tell you, my church is we're currently wrestling with emotional maturity. So emotional maturity is what we're currently working our way through. And we're tying that in with spiritual maturity. We're using okay. um, the, the the course, the emotionally healthy spirituality, uh, by Peter Schizero. Uh, we just went through that course. It's been very powerful. 
to talk through how does spiritual maturity and uh, relation and, and, and emotional maturity connect with one another. Okay. <clears throat> and, and so uh, we're, ta- we're learning how to pray and how to be quiet with God, sort of the spiritual maturity aspect of things, um, and how that fuels emotional maturity. I think that's a real need. And that was a real need in our church. It is a real need in our particular congregation. But I'm willing to bet that it's actually a, a major need in most of our congregations. Okay. All right. In, in the last podcast, Brian, you talked about how, um, how uh, that's what happens when my mind just goes completely blank. <laughs> yeah, I actually forget what I'm talking about all the time, too. So you're not alone. <laughs> so never mind. I'm done. Yeah. PJ, what about you? Do you see any of those areas, uh, intellectual maturity? Uh, spiritual maturity, uh, relational maturity, uh, emotional maturity. Do you see one of those four as having sort of, this is the thing that we ought to be addressing in either your church or the larger big C church today? Do you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Well, first, I really affirm uh, how concisely you put that out there, Danish. I mean, those are really great components Unnecessary, uh, bringing people to maturity. But I, just as uh, the three of us have much different perspectives on life and ministry, which I really appreciate um, learning from you guys each time we're talking together. I think that the the order of priority for those four things has an awful lot to do with our own perspective and the way God's wired us. So while I think that the traditional approach for most churches and most pastors has been to start with the intellectual maturity. Let me teach you what the Bible has to say. Let's memorize the books of the Bible. Let's memorize as many verses of the Bible as we possibly can, hoping that is going to lead towards the the emotional maturity, Mm -hmm. hoping that's going to lead to a relationship with other people around or a deeper relationship with God. And I think uh, many of the things that I personally have been reading just say that uh, there's been a disconnect, particularly in what's happening in churches today. And the, the, the way that I disciple people and the way that God has wired me is, is really to start with a relational component first and foremost. Uh, I, I, don't, uh, I don't think it's as important to be able to know chapter and verse in scripture as, as it is to, to develop relationship with Jesus, to be able to hear his voice speaking into your life. And certainly the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. So I'm never saying put that aside and let's try to do some some more existential kinds of things. But relationship with God would be a, a, con, a very primary thing for me to help somebody be able to do how to connect with him in worship, how to connect with him in prayer, how to connect to, with him in study. But that relationship with God then needs to spill out in relationship with each other. And how can we do that in community? And it's not necessarily through Bible study as much as it is life on life. How can I encourage you? How can I pray for you? How can I bless you? How can I walk with you in those things? So while I think Danish's first approach, and, and I know this about you, Danish, is to start with the, the intellectual, the Bible study. My first approach is more on the relational side of what I think is a necessary component mm-hmm. as well. So it sounds like what you're saying is that if there's one thing that the church struggles with today, it's that they limit uh, Christian maturity to be a definition of what you know. Right. And then do, yes. <clears throat> showing up at and- church on a regular basis Right. Is that that. And so it needs to expand to relational and emotional and spiritual practices as well. Yeah, and let, let me just 
let me just say that I don't disagree with that. Um, I, I, like I said, I think that the church um, does uh, usually start with, and people are hungry for sort of getting their questions answered and learning more. But I, I, I do believe that the church in uh, America, at least, um, has for a long time majored on intellectual maturity as the mark of Christian discipleship and to, to the neglect of the other types of maturity. And I, so I would agree with Pete that that's, that, that that's not, um, it's not healthy to focus on just one aspect of, of Christian maturity. Okay. Um, yeah, for me, similar way, Danish, I would say, I would never say to someone, you can be mature in Christ without having that intellectual component added as well. Right. That's true. Right. Brian, how would you answer the question? Um, for me, I think I, I interpreted the question as an individualistic question. And so uh, what I looked at was, I think it's someone who is continually moving more and more, uh, bringing all of their life under the authority of Jesus. Um, I mean, we, we teach people even in kids' church and Sunday school that uh, Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Lord. What is the two difference? He's my He's my uh agent of salvation but he's also my leader and what does it mean to allow him to have influence in all of my areas of life and i think that has two elements i think that has a universal element i think that's god's universal will for all people so don't murder is a pretty universal thing for all people don't lie that's a good idea for all don't commit adultery that's a good idea for all married people don't commit adultery so um, you know, those kinds of concepts are universal, but then there's also the personal. What is the way that I can have my maximum impact for God? And how do I do that? How do I obey that calling, if you will, and do that in light of my experiences, in light of my strengths, in light of my circumstances? How do I make that go what's my what's my place in the kingdom of god where you're not just a cog so what is it that you are doing in order to live out the universal will of god that's for everyone but then also god's personal will for your life and how are you bringing that under the lordship of christ in your life and intentionally doing so and not just um passively doing so uh, in the Alliance, we have an old, old, old saying, all for Jesus. And just the ability of allowing that to happen. And I think the challenge for us as Christians today and as Christian leaders today and as Christian ministers today, the plethora of choice that now exists in the world that we can do almost anything. We can try to accomplish anything, but we still have time gates in our lives of what we decide is most important and helping people framework their lives on what's important so that they can live out the universal and personal will that God has for them uh, is the way that I uh, said, I think that's a person who's getting Christian maturity and is on that process. However, that does create a challenge. Oh, go ahead, Danish. I, I don't know how much time we have left on the podcast. You're keeping the hours. <laughs> But one of the one of the things I've been learning lately, and and this has just been, you know, part of our exploration of emotionally healthy spirituality, building those spiritual disciplines, mm -hmm. uh, has been focused on the question of choices. You mentioned that um, we have we have limitless choices, it seems, in our lives, 
And uh, part of uh, building spiritual disciplines into our lives, uh, in, in, our, in our case, what we're working on right now is, is, is regular times of prayer throughout the day, um, is, to, is to in some ways limit our choices and to say, um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to actually give my will over to Christ and let Christ set my daily agenda. And I'm going to actually uh, stop what I'm doing in the middle of the day. One of the things that's been the hardest for me to learn is how to stop what I'm doing in the middle of the day and focus in on him and listen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tool of, of, of teaching me to put my will on hold and submit myself to his will has been profoundly impactful in my life as we've been working our way through this course. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying about a multitude of choices and different ways that we could go. And part of, I think, Christian discipleship is limiting our choices and saying, uh, you know, I'm going to put myself at his disposal and let him actually set the agenda for my day, let him actually set the agenda for my life. You're talking about sort of serving as a tool uh, in the master's hand. And and that's that's part of what we've been learning here at, at our church. Yeah, exactly. The um, idea that everything is permissible, but not everything is profitable. Yeah. Uh, that is both a universal concept for every person, but it's also a specific concept. Uh, so there are hangups that, each of us have that might be more specific to us depending on our personalities. And so there are things that you do to make sure that, okay, I'm not going to waste my time here. I want to make sure I'm yielding my time. I think that's the currency since the, you know, the last 30, 40 years is it's not money. Uh, We have more disposable income than at any time in world history, uh, especially in this area of the world. And so what has become the currency of our day is our time. And so how are we going to allow God to have sovereignty over that? I think we just simply have to ask the question, God, what is it you want me to do? And putting those barriers, limitations in place that give him the input that he needs, that becomes the driving force for a mature uh, follower of Christ in my mind. It's interesting that none of us have said that it's an issue of morality um, that we look for a person who's nice or a person who like we've said, they do certain things, but we've not tied it into specifically morality. Um, Is there a difference between Christian morality and Christian maturity? I I think you did tie it into the 10 commandments. uh, Oh, good. Okay. Then. All right. <laughs> that was that was part of it. Um, is there is there a difference between Christian morality and Christian maturity? Uh, I guess what I would say is that um, you know morality can be sort of just an outside surface kind of thing, um, and I'd say the connection between Christian maturity and Christian morality is that the more mature you become in Christ the more you want to behave yeah. in, uh, in moral ways, in, in, in right ways. Uh, the, the Christian maturity, Christian morality, as it penetrates into our will and our desires, that's part of Christian maturity, obviously. But becoming more, more uh, uh, that the, the, the life of Christ is being built in you. That you that you it, it is no longer you who live, but Christ Jesus 
that lives in you. Um, that, that, it, that the life you lead is not your own life, but it's Christ's life. And so you're, that, so Christian morality, as it becomes more and more a matter of your own will, uh, is a mark of Christian maturity. But I think PJ put it very well earlier, and I hope he says it something like this again, that, uh, that it's not this kind of checklist that you're looking for. You know, do they have the right opinions? Do they have the right actions and attitudes? By which I mean my opinions and my actions and attitudes. Okay. Do they conform to my image? Um, that's the kind of Christian morality that we've had way too much of. Um, and I'm glad to see it uh, going away. This idea that um, that in order for someone to be a mature Christian, they must make all the same decisions I would. Okay. But there still has to be a guideline on who, what decisions we are making. And ultimately, you're saying that that cannot solely reside in others. It needs to be influenced by Jesus himself. Yeah. So when I'm, when I'm working with somebody to help them grow in Christ, the question I'm asking them is, why did you do the thing that you did? Okay. Right? In some ways, I care less about what they did and more about why they did it. Um, and that's not, you know, I'm not saying, okay, you committed murder, but what was your motivation? Um, but what I'm saying is there, there, are, there are issues in, in, in the scriptures that are biblical commands. And then there's issues that yeah. I think the Bible talks about being uh, matters of Christian liberty, where, where Paul says, you know, uh, one, one, one person decides that this day is holy. One person decides that day is holy. Uh, what matters is, uh, are they doing it toward, to Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so the, Paul says, I think it's Romans 13, that, uh, that what matters is your motivation. Um, that's not situational ethics, uh, but what it is is saying that, you know, yeah, there, there, there are guidelines for what we ought to do and not do, but also within those guidelines, there's a wide range of, uh, of acceptable options. Yes. Uh, and, and so you, what matters is, is, is the heart that you're doing it out are you, when you give that person a cup of cold water, are you giving that person a cup of cold water because you love them and want to serve them? Or are you giving them a cup of cold water because you want to impress your girlfriend? Right. Or you just want to pour cold water on his head because that sounds like something fun to throw cold water at someone and watch them shiver. Right. Motivation matters. No question. BJ, anything to add? Yeah. Well, I, I can speak towards um, when I was growing up as a kid, uh, been in church my entire life. Uh, I, I was taught this is what Christians say. This is what Christians do. This is what Christians don't say. This is what Christians don't do. And for a, a season of my life, I, I behaved in a way that I felt was appropriate for being a Christian. But that's what I did. That's a choice I made. And then I started to look at people who weren't behaving the way that I was as as not being Christians or not being worthy of God's love or not not someone that God is going to pour his grace out on unless they change their lives and then they can be incorporated into the group that we have. Hmm. And the more that I've um, I really appreciate the alliance and the teaching on Jesus Christ as our sanctifier, the more I realize that a lot of what we do in Christianity is really self-help trying to present ourselves to God as being worthy of his love and being worthy of his grace and being worthy of the blessings that he's giving to us in our lives. 
and that's that's a self-made religion, you know. But but if I surrender my life over to Jesus to Jesus and let His Spirit do His work in my life, and He tells me because of a love relationship that I have with Him that He would prefer I didn't do those things, then when I do that, I do it out of an act of love and obedience, not to receive anything from God but that relationship. And to me, that that's the difference that we're missing in a lot of church experiences where we're, we're not okay with letting people come in the door and wrestle with the, the social issues that we have in life. We're not okay with, with letting someone come in the door and not have that personal relationship with Christ in a mature way. And, and what we do is we, we tell them that they can't be, they're not like us, so they can't be part of the club. And now they're not going to be more conformed into Christ's image because they're not part of the club. You kind of have to be part of the club to, to hear those things. So I think for me in my life, that has a lot to do with insecurity. And I need to be more secure in my relationship with Christ. And I really need to trust Christ that he knows what he's doing as he works in someone else's life, even if he doesn't do it the way I would if I were God. Does that so, make sense? Well, it sounds like what you're saying is that you're not only suggesting that, um, for you, a mature disciple is not just someone who says, Lord, I surrender to your plans for me. And that includes the circumstances and suffering that I don't want to be in. Absolutely. But also, I surrender that person to you and allow, I, I'm not going to be their priest. I'm not going to be their Lord and Savior. I'm not going to be the answer uh, that they're looking for. So, which is a great segue to our our next and last question for today and that is how do you how do you identify someone who's actively growing in Christ um PJ for me you brought up the exact metaphor of of what I or an sort of a an abstract illustration that I think is most clear in the metaphor of marriage um I think this is the reason why God gives us marriage in the first place and it's not just to make us happy but it's because it teaches us what it means to surrender to someone else and say, I'm going to let you directly influence the things that I want to do. And I'm going to give up some things that I think I need to do. In other words, what it teaches us is sacrifice. And I think a person who is willing to sacrifice um, for Jesus specifically, it starts to show up. Uh, and it's a deepening of the relationship. It's like in a marriage um, when we're pursuing our spouse, we are maturing in our marriage because we learn how to serve our, our spouse uniquely. We serve how to honor them uniquely. We serve how to treasure them uniquely. There are things that we do specifically for our spouse because of the way they're wired. But there's things that every uh, husband should do for their wife and every wife should do for their husband. That's just part of being married that says I'm exclusive to you. Um, and so I look for those kinds of things. Is there that kind of commitment to that's more than just I come every Sunday uh, that I serve, but I'm looking for the why. Who are you talking about uh, when you talk most? Um, are you sharing things in the same way that you share things with your spouse? Are you sharing things with Jesus? And is that starting to spill out into your other relationships? I'll catch wind of that. Uh, it will overflow. We will be that fragrant offering that is being offered up. It will be, I don't know, attractive is the right word um, because, you know, people being laid out for sacrifice is a little <laughs> rough sometimes. So in that regard, um, but I think that that level of surrender and sacrifice 
shows up as it deepens the relationship with Christ and that automatically begins to spill out into other relationships. I talk about my wife all the time, not because I have to, but because I want to. Um, that's kind of what I start to look for. Um, but as you said, PJ, it would be wrong for me as a pastor not to give people an opportunity to take that step to deepen the relationship, to not assume that where they are is where they're going to be and that I can never actually act as a help. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want them to have the opportunity to take the step. And often, especially in church circles, that just simply comes through an opportunity to serve, um, to give them an opportunity to be in relationships where you're intentionally doing something for the vision of the church and you're tying that back into their relationship with Jesus. It gives them some examples of something that they can choose to run if, if run with if they want to. What about you guys? Uh, how would you identify someone who's actively growing in Jesus? Well, Brian, I don't know how much time we have left. You, Tons. you have really opened up the box to a whole bunch of different um, thoughts for me. Um, one of the big ways that I identify when someone is making positive steps in their relationship with Christ has to do with the questions that they're asking. Mm. Um, mm. In all of the different areas that Danish, you outlined there, if, if somebody's asking me questions about how to read the Bible or they're reading the Bible and they're stuck with a passage, how do I understand this? That's a clear sign that they're maturing in their faith. If somebody comes and, and is identifying the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their lives, but they don't know how to respond to that, that's a clear sign that they're maturing in their faith. Instead of trying to turn down the voice of God, they're hearing the voice of God and now saying, I don't know how to respond to this. That's great. Who's living together outside of marriage says we're feeling the convicted of conviction of God, but financially we have no idea how we can make this happen. That's somebody who's maturing in their faith. So to me, it's an awful lot about the questions that they come. Great. They come to church, hear the sermon and say, good job, BJ, really like that sermon. And then go with no life change whatsoever. Well, I don't think they're maturing in their faith then. But if they're, if they're hearing the word of God preached and seeing it in their life day by day and saying, how do I make this work? That question, how do I do this? To me is a great sign of steps of maturity. That's a great point, PJ. Thank you for sharing that today. Danish. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, in a couple of minutes, how do you identify someone who's actively pursuing growing in faith in Jesus? Yeah, I, when I was thinking about this question, I, I had three points in, uh, about this, that, and, I, and I actually I'm amazed at how well they're lining up with what PJ was saying. And so I'll, I'll just give them even if they're repetitive. Uh, the, the first one I identified was transparency. Um a person who's open about their struggles is someone I think who is growing in Christ. I, I think that uh, not, there are folks who overshare and, you know, there, there are folks who kind of are, are, are blazing centers of need <clears throat> and, and, and all they want to talk about is themselves. But I think, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a mark of Christian maturity, um, but the ability to be transparent about the things that are, are really going on in your life, um, it shows a, a desire to grow and a desire to, to learn that I think is, is pretty key. So transparency is the first I, I thought through. Second was curiosity. Uh, PJ talked about the questions people are asking. Um, if someone is hungry to know more, 
if someone wants to experience more of Christ, if they're willing to try new things, uh, I think that's, that is a mark of someone who is growing in Christ. They want more. Uh, and they're, they're curious about, about uh, both intellectually and also experientially. Uh, the third thing I had was intentionality. Um, they aren't just uh, sort of drifting along with the tumble and tumbleweeds. Um, but as time goes by, they develop a plan for growth. They, they feel like, I, look, I need to grow in this area. And I'm going to, uh, here's some steps I'm going to take to get there. Um, so when I was thinking about it, I thought about uh, transparency and curiosity and intentionality. Uh, those are all great answers. And thank you so much for sharing them. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this uh, episode, episode 102 of Disciple Making Over Lunch. Uh, we hope that you've gleaned some things from this, but most of all, we hope that it sparked some questions because we don't just want this to be a one-way conversation. We want this to be uh, an event, a time that not only excites you, inspires you as you make disciples in your context, but also begins a conversation back and forth where you are able to ask us questions or offer us feedback to offer us insight as to how we can assist you and how we can assist each other. So for PJ, for Danish, uh, my name's Brian. Thanks for listening to episode 102 of Disciple Making Over Lunch. We'll see you next time.